Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing discoveries and innovations that we often hear about but never seem to actually touch our lives. And we'd like to dig into some of those questions and find out what, what it might take to get those things uh, into the real world as actual things. Uh, so thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. My name is Charlie Litton, and uh, that dark presence you might feel is Joe Rungi. He's a lawyer in our office, and I'm pretty sure he has human eyes. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Very chipper for a lawyer. Uh, and I'm also joined by Tyler Schur. Hi, Charlie. I have nothing interesting to say about Tyler. Uh, so, Joe, apart from uh, your your dark practice, anything to say to our two fans? Yeah, please make sure to like the podcast and review it so other people can find it. And please make sure to subscribe. And also check in the program notes for our future technology of the day. Always something interesting on every program. Yes, indeed. Please do that because we do want to tell these untold stories about innovation and, uh, and what universities are doing every day to make all of our lives a little bit better. You know, I think it's about time we went over something actually we didn't quite cover enough, I think, the last time we did this, which was our favorite things about tech transfer. We kind of dominated when, when we talked about what I thought was cool about tech transfer. But, Tyler, what, uh, what's your favorite part of tech transfer? Yeah, so uh, my favorite part actually is just getting to meet with the inventors, learn about their um, ideas. They're really, they're normally really passionate about an idea that could change the world. Um, and then also, uh, I find it particularly enjoyable when you can partner up in some way, shape, or form two really energetic, passionate, intelligent inventors. So, okay. yeah, that's okay. one of my well, favorite you, Joe, parts. What's what's your favorite part? Um, I really like watching kind of the the long game. Some of these projects are take years and years, and it's uh, incredibly gratifying from like an entrepreneurial point of view when you see this thing that you know, originally was drawn on a whiteboard two years ago in a dingy office in the university, and you're holding it in your hands, and it's really cool. And that's uh, really um, to, to sort of know all the steps and, and the process of the, like, it's, it's sort of like uh, watching your kids take a step. It's, um, it's something that you feel a great sense of accomplishment for. It's interesting. I know, Tyler, you, you've been working with, with Dr. Donnie Song. We've talked about him before. And, um, and, I, and I think that's cool, especially how you guys got together. I want to I hold on to that, though, for a minute because sure. Joe's had some – he's been in the business now for 10 years. And so I think he's got a really unique perspective on that long game he's talking about. Do you have one in particular in mind? Where, yeah. yeah, it's actually a project longer than me. It, was, it predated my, my arrival at Unimed. It was a, a cross-campus collaboration. It was a uh, partnership between a surgeon at UNMC, Dr. Dmitry Linikov, and a, a human factors engineer in Lincoln, uh, Dr. Susan Hallbeck. And there was a campus-wide retreat where they would sort of discuss these projects they can work on together. And Dr. Linikov was talking about how uncomfortable laparoscopic surgical tools were. And if you look at them, they, they just look uncomfortable. They're, they're sort of, you hold them like scissors, but they're sort of upside down. And surgeons have to sort of hold these long positions with these really awkward angles. And, and it, this horrified Dr. Hallbeck. It, it, you know, she kind of said it was as though someone found the least ergonomic way to make these things and, and sort of put them that way. <laughs> it's like they're being punished. Right, exactly. It's like we're punishing people for being surgeons. You know, congratulations for going to school for 20 years. <laughs> we're going to ruin your body. Um, and, and so they, they came about to kind of come up with a different concept. And so 
they made this more functional tool that was easier for them to hold. It was a really great concept. And I remember uh, our sister campus, uh, they took the lead on it because it was an engineering-based project. They offered to give it back to us shortly after I started it at Unimed, and, and I ended up taking over the project. And one of the things I found is that while everyone agreed that the ergonomic angle was really good, there was real skepticism about the cost of the device because even though it was going to be more comfortable, the device itself would cost a lot more, and um, or at least that was the perception. And so by talking with a number of surgical companies, we sort of developed this concept for the device where, well, what if we made it so it had a really nice handle, but it had a disposable part. That well, you I want to interrupt you for a second. Yeah, so yeah. if these things are made to punish doctors, essentially, or surgeons, um, why why make those at all? I don't understand how that even happens. That's a really good question. It's something I didn't fully understand until very late in the project. So this kind of comes down to the surgical tools that they, the surgeons use have to have very specific functions. They, they need to be able to open and close, which sounds dumb, right? But they need to be able to be controlled very, very precisely. And so the surgeons want to be able to sort of open and close them exactly as they want. And if you sort of imagine opening and closing a pair of scissors very, very precisely, like all day long, right, that would be really tiring on your hands. But like no one could think of a, a better way to sort of allow that same level of control. And so when we finally got a partner who was working on the device with us, it's a a developmental shop out of Kansas City called EMCI. They uh, took a lot of the information we got from the surgical companies to sort of develop a version of the device that addressed all their concerns. The first one we developed, we took to Dr. Olenikov, and the problem was it was too different than the original device. There were a number of just simple things that it needed in order to replicate that functionality, which ended up allowing it to be just as ergonomic, but still just as functional as the original device. And so it's not that these devices were made to, to punish surgeons. They were made to accomplish the very specific kind of opening and closing that these devices needed to be able to do, but no one had thought of a way to do it that was more ergonomic. And so as we sort of developed the, the device, in addition to being more ergonomic, the device is articulating, which means that it's got a little robot arm at the end. Uh, it's controlled by a cool little uh, thumb wheel. Or not a thumb wheel. A trackball. A trackball. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Thumb wheel would be different. It's controlled by a trackball on the end, uh, the way that the device is set up. I've seen pictures of it, and it's, I hate to say it, but it's its sexy. Yeah, I mean, it it's very sleek, <laughs> and it, it, it looks nothing really like a modern, or at least a common laparoscopic tool that I've seen before. Right, it's, it's the, the handle is made out of really nice metal. It's easy to hold. Um, the the trackball itself is you know super grippy, and, and it's, it's easy for the surgeons to sort of manipulate. The, the device itself articulates to like 108 degrees now. There are actually future versions of it can probably articulate more. And so it's really made, uh, and, and this is you know, thanks to the great collaboration between EMCI and Dr. Linikov. You know, they come down, he looks at it, he tells them things he likes, he tells them things he doesn't like, and, and they really take that to heart and, and have incorporated that into the design. A lot of it goes to Dr. Holbeck too. She had a, a really strong design concept for the original Intuitool design. And um, her, her solution to what she saw as a punishing, unergonomic instrument really you know, came out in, in this final device. So where is it now? Where is it, what part of this, what stage in the process is it? So the, de the device is kind of to an advanced prototype. It's going to be going to the FDA very soon. Um, 
you know, mercifully, there has been, or fortunately, there have been a lot of partners interested in working with EMCI to distribute this device. They see it as, uh, it's actually a nice moment. It's, uh, it, surgery goes through these kind of uh, fads, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, and now one of the big things that's really interesting is this notion of uh, semi-robotics. So the idea is that you've got robotic surgery where it's all controlled by machines. Mm -hmm. uh, Semi-robotics has uh, a lot of articulation, but it's still controlled by hand. And so the Intuitools oh, so kind of... It fits with, that, the, with the trackball and the right, articulating right, hand. Right, right, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so we've been really fortunate that there's been uh, a couple of options with it. So we've got some high hopes for it. So how long on the... Um how long was this time frame on this one? It started before you were here. So what are we, year 12 on this? Or uh, yeah, the, the original invention, I think, came in 2004. Wow. Yeah, okay. and and for me, I've had it since 2010. And so, you know, the the if if the Intuitool were, were my kids, they'd be in, what, second grade? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's a long-term project. But, yeah. you know, and it's not like there was a lot of fallow time. I mean, you know, there we... It's funny, uh, my grandfather sold insurance, and I have his briefcase. It says Duke Casalino on the inside. And we were looking through the— Did you say Duke? Yeah, it was my grandfather's name. His name is actually Santino, but— it, What a great name. Duke. <laughs> my grandfather, Duke. Yeah, my grandfather, Duke, <laughs> who actually fancied himself a casual inventor, right? He, he invented a—he a, certainly wasn't the first one, but he considered himself the inventor of the toast tongs. Little like you know, ah. or 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 you can call them tongs. I just called them the Duke, but um, <laughs> you call them forceps, right? Uh, toast forceps. Nice callback. Nice, thank you. Uh, keep listening, you two. Um, but the 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 whole premise, right, was that we would send our sort of rough uh, prototype back for the days of three D printing uh, in my grandfather's old insurance briefcase to you know Ethicon and, and these big surgical companies, and you would always say. The prototype is really unimpressive. You know, don't don't judge it on that. Just hold it and look at the design and see what we're talking about. Every time they come back and say, we love the design, but your prototype's really unimpressive. <laughs> it's coming in a 30-year-old briefcase that, you know, has a hand-cut foam cut out with the you know, yeah. little plastic. We actually had a budget to repair the prototype because they'd break it every time. Wow. But now it's really cool because you've got that and you've got the just really awesome metal precise machined EMCI prototype staying next to it. They actually sent it in a custom briefcase. Right. Well, so, okay, hold yeah. on, though. So, so the Duke's uh, briefcase, didn't that inspire a company to say, you know what, L let us give you a real prototype? Yeah. Is that kind of, is that fair? Yeah, EMCI has sort of <laughs> promised that they're going to give us a Husker Red Intuitol <laughs> prototype <laughs> in like a big, you know, display case that, you know, we can put up, uh, you know, when this is done. But I think that the, the, the project comes from a lot of contributions. It comes from a really great idea that came from a brilliant surgeon and a great engineer. It came from some hard work from Unimed by going to lots of companies and really understanding that to make this device work, it needed to have these features. And then it came from a really great engineering company who could you know, get in that direction and actually execute it. And so going back to my favorite things, right? Like I look at all these different steps and how long they took and how much work they were. and to really get something that you know, can, can be commercially feasible, it, it requires all those things. It requires the original good idea, you know, robust intellectual property protection, some real conversations with the, the actual market and an outside partner with, with that type of capability. So if this is a, you know, the long road innovation is maybe, maybe another way we can call it that, you know, what was the lowest point for you with this particular one? 
I think every time that prototype came back broken, (laughs) there was something just like, and, and, you know, yeah, it's a great idea, but we're not going to move forward on it. Um, You know, rejection's hard. I don't know, Tyler, I mean, I don't know, did you feel prepared for the sheer amount of rejection involved in technology marketing? Uh, no, no, I did not. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know, I was, uh, <clears throat> I didn't have a at all a, an appreciation for the long game um, initially. I'm gaining, uh, it's it's kind of getting beaten into me a little bit here through some experience, some hard experience. Uh, but yeah, um, no, I I was under the illusion again that uh, if you had a great technology and you found someone who seemed to be a a, a good partner for it, that they would just chomp at the bit to get it. So, yeah. And I think the the grace of all that is that when things do work, um, and you know the Intuit tool still hasn't worked yet. I mean, it's it's not available for sale, but it's it's well on its way. You know, when things are working, um, it's it's really really exciting. And it was just funny. Um, you know, we talk about a scientific career being you know highs and lows, and do the highs get you through the lows. I decided pretty early on that the highs didn't, and yet I kind of ended up in a career with kind of a sales model. (laughs) But the highs here do actually work for me. And so, you know, I think that ultimately it's finding the thing that's that's right for you. And and for me, you know, even though the the highs are fewer and further between, when they work, they really do work, and it's it's really interesting. Yeah, the uh, story behind that technology kind of just just really briefly brings up uh kind of connects with a few of again my favorite things about tech transfer so that's a really cool story about bringing together um a clinician and an engineer right um so that's just again you got some people from different fields of expertise coming together to improve a, a, a medical device um the other thing that that reminds me of i work i get i have the privilege of working with a lot of researchers a lot of clinicians that work on medical devices and um their first point of emphasis is always the patient. It's always improving this device for the patient. Um, and not typically um, secondary is whether or not it's going to be ergonomic or beneficial right. to the to the clinician. It's always about patient first. I'm going to cut you off right there. Sure. Because I, that, that's a cool idea, but I think we have to say that for next time because it's about time we come back to ground on this one. Thank you for joining us and be sure to uh, subscribe, tell others, rate the podcast for us. And remember, you can all learn more about our future technology. Today we talked about the Intuit tool, um, so be sure to go on the program notes and check that out. Some cool stuff there. So for Tyler Scher, Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton. Thank you for joining us on Unimed's Innovation Overground.